Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me as always, ladies and gentlemen, we have an honorary member of the Bills Mafia with us. Here is the captain. Yeah, it's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are getting geared up for the holiday season. We are drinking one of the very best holiday beers, Great Lakes Christmas Ale. This is one of my favorite December and January beers. This is a delicious ale with holiday spices and sweet honey, and it's perfect for this holiday season. ABV, 7.5% garage grade, four and a half bottle caps out of five. And here are some wonderful people that we would like to celebrate this holiday season with. First up, cheers to Tegan in New Haven, Vermont. And a big shout out to Catherine in Preston, United Kingdom. Next, we have a cheers that goes to Deanna in Kuna, Idaho. And a big we like your chip to Emily in Concord, California. Next, we have a thank you from Jillian in Australia. And last but certainly not least, we have Teresa in Janesville, Wisconsin. Thank you to everyone who helped us fill up the fridge for this week's show. And if you want to help us out for next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. Yeah, say it with me, B-W-E-W-R-U-N, beer run. Go to our website, truecrimegarage.com, go to the store page and get you some. And that is enough of the business. All right, everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. of a missing 28-year-old woman held a press conference today searching for answers. Paige Coffey has been missing for nine months now. Her family says she would never have left without telling them. The reward for information now up to $5,000. Kendall Forward live in Cleveland now with more details on this. Kendall. Aaron Page was last seen here at surveillance video at the Steel Yard Commons seven months ago on May 7th. Now her family hoping someone somewhere might have some information on where she is now. They say she was so close to her family and she never would have wandered off without telling them. Paige is a wonderful young lady. She is very close to her family. After nine months, Paige Coffey's family still searching for her, still searching for answers. Her aunt, with Paige's heartbroken mother standing by her side, says she never would have left without telling her family. 
Paige has a very close relationship with her parents, her grandparents, brothers, and cousins, and there is no way she would go over nine months without contacting her family. Paige was last spotted on May 7th on Steelyard Commons surveillance video. Her family saw her just a week prior. Her aunt describes her as reliable and dependable, an art lover with a great personality. Her disappearance is completely unlike her, and she knows something is wrong. There would be no reason for her to just walk away that we could think of. Um, she, she was just a great girl. Paige, now 28 years old, lived in Cleveland and worked in Macedonia at Torrid, a women's clothing boutique. She attended Youngstown State and visited her grandmother in Brattonall often. Brattonall police now investigating, searching for answers, and they say no tip is too small. It's extremely unusual that nine months have passed and no one has heard or seen Paige Coffee. The reward now up to $5,000 for information to find Paige. Her family begging for some sort of information to help bring her home. No, no tip is too small. Um, it's been agonizing over these last nine months. Now we showed you her picture there, but she's about 5'8 and also has a tattoo on her arm of piano keys. Again, this was the last place she was spotted on surveillance video here at Steelyard Commons. So if you have any information or know where she might be, contact Crime Stoppers or Bratnall Police. Reporting live at Steelyard Commons, Kendall Forward, 19 News. Paige Coffee is a young woman who grew up in the Cleveland, Ohio area. She graduated from Charles Brush High School in 2010 and enrolled at North Coast College. Paige wanted to study fashion merchandising, something that she loved and something that came naturally to her. She worked throughout her teens and 20s at various retail stores and women's fashion retailers, at least one that is located in the Steelyard Commons shopping area, which is in the greater Cleveland area. Paige is one of those young women who is always trying new hairstyles, experimenting with makeup and wearing carefully curated outfits. Prolific selfies of her show a young woman who rarely smiles for the camera, yet looks as though she's enjoying herself. Paige is very close with her mother, her aunt, and her cousins. She spoke with them daily, if not several times a day. Her aunt says she is very artistic, outgoing, reliable, and dependable. Paige's mother, Trinetta Williamson, who we spoke with at length and who is the major source of information for this episode, said that Paige is super outgoing, a talker, someone who is friendly and bubbly. Mother and daughter share a loving relationship. They were very close. In 2012, when Paige was still young, she got married to someone who we will call Tea Coffee. The two met in high school. Paige's mother, Trinetta, was against the marriage because she thought that the two were too young. She wanted Paige to focus on college and her career. Paige and T got hitched anyway and moved to Hawaii, where he was stationed with the Army. But the young couple struggled, and the two high school sweethearts divorced. This in 2016. After the marriage... Paige was living back in the greater Cleveland area. Then in 2017, Paige met someone. She started dating Patrick Samar Mason Jr. He was in his mid-20s from the greater Cleveland area. They dated on and off for about two years. And this is where Trinetta says Paige started to change. According to Paige's mother, she could tell early on in this relationship that Patrick was pretty controlling. Yeah, Patrick goes by the nickname of PJ. So we will refer to him mostly as PJ throughout this episode. Paige stopped posting on her social media, and her last Facebook post was in early March 2017. She told her family that PJ would check her Instagram account and see what she was doing and who she was talking to. And with this, Paige's personality began to change. All of her life, she was always the chatterbox. Now, she was becoming closed off, hardly speaking at all. And some would say she was becoming rather secretive. Paige started dropping out of touch with her family and friends for days at a time. She was unreachable and then later would say that she lost her phone or it was broken. Her family would get her a new phone so they could keep in touch 
And time and time again, the replacement phone would break or get lost. Yeah, if you Google signs of a controlling boyfriend, the first thing that pops up is that they increasingly isolate you from friends and family. The phone always seems to be the first cutoff point for these types. Yeah. By this time, Captain, we have Paige. She's living in a house on Oak Shore Drive in Bratnall. Now, we are not liking what we are seeing here, are we, Captain? No, I don't like any time I hear about somebody being isolated within a relationship. No, so now in our timeline, we are in the early 2019 time frame, March and April of 2019 to be more on point. This is when something incredibly alarming happens. Things start to get scary. This is when an officer from the South Euclid Police Department was out front knocking on Trinetta's door. When she answered, the officer said that he was there to return a lost and found purse that belonged to a Paige Coffee, and asking if she was there. Now, Trinetta told the officer that Paige no longer lived there, but it makes sense that they went to Trinetta's home because the address listed on Paige's driver's license was still Trinetta's home address. The officer asked the obviously concerned mother if she had any idea why the police found Paige's purse full of personal items on the side of the highway. Trinetta said no. It didn't make any sense. The officer asked Trinetta if she could get in touch with Paige as the officer would like to ask her some questions, mainly to make sure that the young woman was all right. Trinetta explained how Paige had recently become distant from the family and how she was very difficult to get a hold of, telling him she didn't really respond to text or even pick up the phone when called. The officer left the purse with Trinetta and before leaving took an incident report to document the situation. Now, Paige's purse was actually recovered by Macedonia police, which is nearby. They gave it to the South Euclid police because of the address listed on the driver's license found inside. This making the situation even more of a big question mark for both police, but more importantly, Paige's family. So now because of this whole weird purse thing, Paige's family is just perplexed and extremely concerned for Paige's well-being. It's not good when you can't get a hold of a loved one and then police show up at your front door because they found her purse full of personal items on the side of the freeway. No, that's a very bad sign. Now, if that wasn't weird enough for you, well, then check your head because things are going to go from scary to very strange with the quickness. Because on that same very day, and even though PJ knew Trinetta did not like him one bit, Trinetta receives a text from PJ. So PJ is texting Trinetta, and boy, does he have a story to tell. PJ told her that Paige had shot him in the head. Say what? Minutes later, Trinetta receives a photo of PJ's bloodied head. A few minutes go by, and then boom, another photo. This time, he sent her a photo of a handwritten note. It's a note in Paige's handwriting in which she is confessing to shooting PJ in the head. So now the police are involved once again regarding Paige. This is on the same day as the purse incident. The police intervened and ended up putting Paige in the hospital for a psych evaluation because she was completely hysterical. So, Captain, even though we have this note that appears to be Paige's handwriting, a note saying she shot PJ in the head, right? it looks like this whole incident is not so cut and dried. It's more complicated than that and a little confusing to boot. It's right, Palava. One of the sergeants told Paige's family that he feared a murder-suicide was in the future for these two. Well, because these people are so abusive and controlling and they manipulate you, a lot of times you don't feel like there's any way out. Yeah, and it's not really clear exactly what happened here in this situation. Now, one thing that is fact is PJ actually had bullet fragments in his head, so he was shot, but so was his car. His car was shot up, so he was shot too, but... No one was really for sure who actually fired those shots. 
the hospital would be a chance for Paige to get away from PJ and out of what is clearly a horrible situation. Even if she did shoot him in the head, which I don't think that he she did, this is clearly not a good situation for anybody. Right. While in the hospital, Paige told her mom that PJ forced her to write the gunshot note at gunpoint. And we know that his car had been shot up. That portion of the story was on the news. And at least one eyewitness confirmed bullet holes on his vehicle. So it looks to me like PJ is in it with somebody else. He's got something else going on here, and he might be using this situation where he's already controlling this young woman who's in a air quotes relationship with him. And he's going to use her as the scapegoat for why he ends up shot, forcing her to write a note at gunpoint. Well, this is some wild shit. In April, Paige was released from the hospital. Now she told her mom that she was trying to get away from PJ. And while it is unclear as to the details, it appears that the two eventually reconciled. And unfortunately within a month, Paige would be gone. But there's some more interesting events leading up to her disappearance. This takes us to Tuesday, April 30th, 2019. This is when Paige asked her mother to give her a ride to Oakwood Village. Trinetta did not ask Paige what she was doing there or what she intended to do there because she knew. PJ lived in that area. Paige knew that her mom did not approve of PJ's treatment of her and wanted to hear nothing about him. And of course, Trinetta was upset about the choices that Paige was making. And she let Paige know about it. Now, Paige got out of the car and walked away. And that's the last time Trinetta saw her daughter. The next day, Paige texts her mom, asking her to add $30 to a cash app card. After the stay in the hospital, Paige was without a vehicle and without a job. It appears that the only thing she thought she had at that time was PJ and her mom. Unfortunately, for reasons we won't pretend to understand, it looks like she was choosing PJ. And because of this, she is becoming more and more isolated. And this was because PJ wanted her all to himself. Here's some proof from a series of texts we found, one between her friends that says, quote, Paige told me before he took her phone and didn't want her to have a job, he wants to make her life so shorty that she has no choice but to always need him. Yeah, he's a real piece of shit. On May 5th, Trinetta got a phone call from a work connection of Paige's who was trying to get in touch with her. She texted Paige to let her know this, but got no response. Police later told Trinetta that at this time, on May 5th, they verified that Paige and PJ were staying at a cheap motel in Copley Township near Akron, Ohio. Hotel motel. But they got evicted, and on the 6th, they left the motel. Police are going to tell Paige's mother, Trinetta, that on Monday, May 6th, she went to work with PJ. Right. So she's not working at this time. We know that. But PJ is working. He's a landscaper. and Well, he- she was working at a boutique right not after she got out of the hospital well right but this is another way to control her now she doesn't have her own money and hey we know that she loves fashion we know that she wants to study fashion what better place to learn about the business than a boutique well separate her from anything that she loves so what we do know is that they were together on this monday may 6th now the following day tuesday may 7th Police knew that PJ went to see his probation officer for a required check-in. They found surveillance footage of Paige and PJ together at a Home Depot in Steelyard Commons. This is a large shopping area in Cleveland. They each purchased something. Records show that Paige bought a candy bar and PJ bought a Snickers and some brake fluid. And they left the store together. Unfortunately, there are no surveillance cameras outside of the store, that show where Paige and PJ went when they walked out. So no one really knows where they went after that or really what happened after that. 
Police say that Page's phone pinged that evening. This is May 7th, around 6 p.m. Now, police will not comment on the cell phone activity after that. The obvious inference here, Captain, is twofold for me. One, we know police have all of the cell phone science and information, which leads us to number two, that they are likely keeping this information hush-hush as it's crucial to their investigation and holds evidentiary value. Right. We have been told from Paige's family that after this, she never contacted her family again. And after the 7th of May, her phone went right to voicemail. She has never posted on social media since then. And law enforcement says that Paige Coffee has not used her social security number. She's not used her cash app or card. She's not made any electronic payments. It seems like after this trip to the Home Depot, where we have them both on surveillance footage in the store together, poof, Paige is gone after that. Do we have a record of what her financial transactions were before then? Did she transfer money to PJ? I don't believe that she did so. Or if she did, they're just not reporting it. Correct. Her family and the police have that information. That's not information that we have. So who is this PJ, right? Who is this PJ character? We already said his real name is Patrick Samar Mason Jr. And I'm just taking a wild guess here, Captain, but I would be willing to bet all of the beer in the garage fridge that the Mason family are probably very thankful that this guy is not going by his birth name or throwing that last name of Mason around too much. In fact, if they are smart, well, then they won't have anything to do with him at all. Don't drop by here on Christmas, Patrick Samar Mason Jr. or PJ. The doors are closed. Now, this case has received virtually zero media attention. And so your boys here in the garage decided to step in. We dug up some background information on PJ because, well, federal court documents are publicly available. In 2020, Patrick Samar Mason Jr., or PJ, was 29 years old. He dropped out of high school after his junior year, but went on to get his GED and even had two semesters of college where he had an overall GPA of 3.0, surprisingly. Apparently, he had a psych evaluation at some point, and it was determined that, quote, though he has a number of mental health diagnoses, he is not intellectually disabled, end quote. But he has a lengthy criminal history dating back to when he was 17 years old. Right, so he's mediocre at school, but an overachiever at being a shitbag. His juvenile adjudications include a traffic-related offense, theft-related offenses, and failure to comply. He has four prior adult felony convictions involving burglary and robbery, and he has a misdemeanor convictions involving theft, domestic violence, and menacing. And to no one's surprise, PJ has been arrested for domestic violence toward the women that he has dated, this even prior to Paige. But it wasn't just pushing or shoving. Here is what the courts say. He was charged by Cleveland police for aggravated menacing on January 12th of 2017. The court record stated domestic violence high risk and a refer to a psych referral as well. A no contact order was issued in this situation, prohibiting PJ from having any contact from or with the victim or better said domestic violence survivor. Then on January 26th, 2017, PJ was again charged with domestic violence and also unlawful restraint. An arrest warrant was issued and he was arrested on September 16th. So it looks like he was on the run for quite some time. PJ was found guilty and received a sentence of 180 days, 166 days suspended, 14 days credit for time served. In other words, all he got was probation. Yeah, slap on the wrist. This is surprising and horrifying because PJ already had a record. We found three separate arrests in 2011 in Cuyahoga County for burglary, theft, aggravated theft, aggravated robbery, a firearm was used, and grand theft. He did about 10 months in prison for those charges. He was arrested in the same county in 2014 for complicity to burglary and obstructing official business. Usually that means like 
during the course of an investigation, he, he may have lied to the police or did something of that nature. Right. And he did time for those charges as well. Long story short here, Captain, PJ is and was bad news. And Paige was mixed up with him and had been withdrawing from her family and seemingly falling increasingly under PJ's control. She didn't tell her mother the worst of it, but Paige sent electronic messages to one of her friends telling her the things that PJ had done to her. Now, he is not named specifically in these messages, which we viewed, but her friend knew who Paige was talking about in these messages. And the messages yeah, it say... Implied. It was it was implied because they were obviously in a relationship. That's right. And the messages say, I'll read from the transcript here. The friend says, hey, mama, how you been, girly? Paige replies, girl, shitty, but I'm a survivor. Friend says, what's going on? Paige replies, I got a divorce two years ago, jumped into a relationship, got dogged and humiliated, then into another one where for two years he nearly killed me. I've been shot at, strangled, stabbed, beat, burnt with miles, raped, and embarrassed, and I still tried to stay. I had to ask myself why. Just out of that now, so I'm trying to get my shit together. So based off of this here, Captain, it sounds like this is kind of fleshing out what we already knew was a terrible situation, but she's adding some horrific details to that. And it sounds like she thinks that she's out of this relationship at this time when she's having a conversation with her friend. But that's why it's so hard to leave these abusive situations because when you think you're out, that's probably the most dangerous time for you. Well, and the thing is we say leave, but we often see in these situations that person is not allowed to leave. Now, this was not just a case of a domineering boyfriend. This was violent physical abuse. And then after May 7th, Paige seemingly vanished. No one heard from her after that. For about a week, Trinetta said she was concerned because it was so unlike her daughter to be completely out of touch for that long. And no call or visit on Mother's Day, May 11th. This is when Trinetta really knew something was very, very wrong. Even if Paige was furious at her mother for objecting to the PJ situation, she would have at least called her on Mother's Day if she could. Now, desperate, on May 16th, Trinetta called PJ, and he told her that he and Paige were not together anymore, and he had not seen her in weeks. Now, Trinetta knew that this was a lie, so she called PJ's mother, whom PJ sometimes stayed with. And she said that they had not seen Paige in months. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it Absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership 
when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we are back. Cheers, mates. Cheers to you, Captain. Cheers to all the people in the back. On May 17th, Trinetta went to the Brattonall Police Department and filed a missing persons report with the sergeant on duty. The incident report dated May 17th, 2019, reflects that Trinetta told the sergeant that she had not had any contact with her daughter in more than two weeks, and she believed her to be in the company of Patrick Samar Mason Jr., or P.J., so Brattonall police took on the case, but noted in the report that there was friction between mother and daughter over the boyfriend. It also notes that Paige is bipolar and may be off of her meds. They asked Trinetta if Paige was depressed, and she answered yes at times. This, in my opinion, had a good and unfortunate result. Both good and unfortunate. Right. One, the good is a missing persons alert for Paige was issued at that time, but... 
it read that she might be in danger because of a change in mental status. This was something that I and her family disagrees with. Even if Paige was struggling mentally, she would not have ever just dropped off of the face of the earth and stopped all contact with them. Then frustrated about the total void of information about Paige and trying to get information out of PJ, Trinetta had her goddaughter Vanessa call PJ. This call took place on May 20th, 2019 at 9.32 p.m., and it was recorded. Now, we made a transcript of this conversation as best as we could make it out. It starts off saying, hey, it's Vanessa again. I just got a quick question because we're so worried about her. Where do you see her at the last time you've seen her? PJ's response is, left her downtown. Last time I seen her, I went to court. I was coming downtown. He seems to be saying that Paige went to court with him. He could not remember which day, whether it was a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Right. We know that it was, in fact, that Tuesday. Vanessa then asks, you went to court together? PJ says, no, she, I went to court, though. I can't quite make out everything he's saying there. Vanessa then says, because we don't know why she hasn't called or anything, you all get into an argument or something? PJ says no and something else, which is inaudible. Vanessa then says, have you checked up on her at all? PJ says, I text her a couple of times. I called her a couple of times. He says something else that I can't understand and then says, changed her number. She was talking a bunch of crazy stuff. Vanessa says, do you know where she could possibly be? She's usually with you all of the time. PJ says, no, she ain't with me. We broke up. I don't know how long ago. And then says something else, which I can't understand. Vanessa then says, and she was downtown, question mark, when, question mark, to which PJ says Monday or Tuesday. Now, as you can put together based off of that, PJ is basically sticking to his story that he has no idea where Paige is at this time. The family knows that she's missing and he says that they've broken up and he hasn't seen her in a while or so on, according to his words. This despite the fact that the police have verified that Paige and PJ were together at the hotel, they were together at his work, and they were together at the Home Depot. So this takes place on that Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, May 5th through May 7th of 2019. They're together. He claims we're not together. I don't know when it was that I last saw her. Boom, she disappears right after being with him. Well, the first red flag is that his memory is so fuzzy. I don't really remember. We broke up a while ago. Not really for sure. Nine months after Paige's disappearance, the FBI and the Bratnall police held a press conference to announce a $5,000 reward in exchange for information about Paige's whereabouts. Now, during the conference, the then Bratnall police chief noted that it was unusual for Paige to be out of contact with her family and stated, quote, numerous investigative leads have been conducted, but to date, nothing has led to the location of Paige. We strongly believe that someone in this community has a vital piece of information that law enforcement needs, end quote. Despite this seemingly interested involvement by BPD, the chief made it clear that they were not 100% on board with foul play having befallen page right he said that page actually lives in cleveland and the bratnall police were just helping out because page's grandmother lives in bratnall that's horseshit the fbi was just assisting he said for all they know page could be sitting on a beach actually his words were for all they know page could be sitting on a sunny beach somewhere i do want to point out a couple things here before we move on that bratnall police it's If you watch that press conference, and this is very unfortunate, this takes place nine months after she's been missing. So if you, you could believe whatever you want the day or two after she, no one can get a hold of her, but after nine months has gone by and she's not popped up or not returned to her family, you got to recognize that you're dealing with a serious situation. Now, could she be on a beach that I guess that's possible. Does anybody think that? No. So why he bothered to go out of his way to say that seems a little weird and also saying that they're just helping out because Paige actually lives in Cleveland. It depends on who you talk to. If you want to say that the the hotel where they were staying is where she was living, then I guess. But in all reality, no. 
she was last living in your community in Brantonall, Ohio. It's like they don't want to take full responsibility. And I understand law enforcement's, you know, is, is it possible that she just said, you know what, life sucks and I'm going to move away? Sure. But no, no activity on her bank cards. Just she has money sitting in a bank and she's just not going to take any of it out. Well, at this same press conference, Paige's aunt was, she speaks right after the chief does and makes it very clear that Paige is not sitting on a sunny beach somewhere. She says, quote, she would never have just walked away from her family and friends. She said all they have is speculation, but they know that something happened to Paige. She said, I've known her her whole 28 years. She would not put family through this. She spoke to her mom all of the time, end quote. Now, Trinetta does not believe that the Bratnall police and the FBI have done nearly enough to try to find her daughter. A detective did acknowledge to her that Paige appeared to have battered woman syndrome. Bratnall's new police chief has been much more helpful and tells Trinetta that the case is being actively worked. And everything I can see, Captain, I'm very confident that this is actively being worked. And a recent tip which is now in the hands of BPD and the FBI came in and says that there's a chance that Paige was trafficked and she's in the San Jose area. This is something that could be true, but I, I, I suspect that it's probably not the case, but it is information that has made its way to law enforcement. Well, and again, at first she wasn't reported as an endangered missing. I, I hope she is now because if this tip is, is somewhat true, yeah, she's alive, but she's in a, a dangerous situation. And it hurts me to say this because I've met some of her family and I, I picturing, you know, I want to have something positive to offer them some light at the end of the tunnel here, but none of the information that, that we are digging up or that has made its way to law enforcement, none of it is a good result. None of it is anything that anybody wants to hear about one of their loved ones. Now, in regard to the tip that I'm talking about, this could be a good tip, I guess. But again, the information we've uncovered is screaming loud and clear that the answers likely are much closer to home. Because as you will see, the sources of this information are close to home. More importantly, close to Patrick Samar Mason Jr. And that is PJ's sister, who told a cousin that after Paige vanished, PJ torched his GMC truck and got a new one. Uh, I mean, that sounds suspicious. Yeah, that's a huge red flag. I mean, why would you set fire to your vehicle? Uh, insurance fraud or maybe to cover up evidence? Well, thankfully, the cousin reported this to the police. So the police passed along that information to Trinetta saying, Hey, we're, we're looking for this guy's truck. We've, we've received some credible information that he torched it after your daughter disappeared. Right. He's telling us that he sold it, but can't provide any proof of that. And on top of that, there's no record of the sale of a vehicle with that VIN. So the truck is missing and everybody's looking for this truck. Well, you know, his initials shouldn't be PJ. They should be BS because this guy is full of bullshit. I mean, he wants to sit there and say, I don't know. Last time I saw her, I haven't seen her for weeks. And then we know that's a lie because he saw her on Sunday and Monday and on Tuesday. And now he's saying, oh, yeah, I sold this vehicle, but there's no proof that he sold the vehicle. Just another bullshit lie. This guy's serving up horse shit sandwiches. Yeah. And I'm jumping out of the line, my friend. They stink. <laughs> stink. In November of 2020, Paige's family received communication from a man named Devon. This is PJ's half-brother. Well, I'm glad you're bringing this up because let's be clear. This is PJ, Mr. BS himself. This is his family coming forward. They know what kind of creep this guy is. And they're coming forward with information. And, and that's what's going to solve this case is them coming forward with information, 
friends of his, acquaintances of his, this guy has told somebody something. Well, and listen to this. This is Devon, again, a family member of PJ's, who's reaching out to Paige's family because he's concerned. And he says to the family, quote, I really wish the best for you all, and I really had deep feelings for Paige, and it's still bothering me that no one knows anything about her whereabouts. And then goes on to say, quote, Last thing I heard about PJ is he was in Oakwood jail being held without bond for trying to choke out and smother the girl that he was with most recently, end quote. Let's be clear. This is a relationship that he took on after Paige is missing. It's not a relationship. It's a relationship. And he is locked up for now abusing this person. So this guy's got a history of violence. And he's got a history of domestic violence that doesn't seem to end. Now, this information that came forward from the half-brother was true. So he was locked up at that time, PJ was. And he found himself in federal court. This, again, about nine months after Paige disappeared, PJ was arrested again, but this time with another young woman. And we're going to read from the court record describing this incident But it's rather interesting, so bear with me here, Captain. And it says, On January 29th, 2020, at approximately 2.39 p.m., officers and detectives of the Willoughby Hills Police Department responded to a call for two people passed out in a vehicle at the Bishop Shell gas station located at 2770 Bishop Road in Willoughby Hills, Ohio, which is in Lake County. Yeah, I actually know this area pretty well because I used to play at Willoughby Brewing Company. So shout out to those guys. Great beer, by the way. I wish we were sitting there right now. Mm -hmm. The car in question was parked next to the gas pumps with the engine turned off. Officer Craig Anderson says that he was already on the scene when Officer Mino arrived and was attempting to wake the subjects by yelling into the vehicle. Wake up! Officer Anderson's police cruiser was parked in front of the vehicle. So if these two wake up and decide to take off, they're not going anywhere. (laughs) What losers. Officer Mino says as he approached, he noticed that the windows were fogged up and he could barely make out the outline of the people inside. He could tell that we have a male seated in the passenger seat who slumped to the right and a female who was in the driver's seat and she slumped to the left. Neither individual was moving. So using his baton, he's tapping on the window and, again, yelling into the vehicle. But both occupants remained unconscious and unresponsive. He says that he planned to break the window to gain entry to the vehicle because he believed that the occupants had overdosed on drugs or blacked out from alcohol. They could need medical assistance. Or died of stupidity. But forced entry ultimately proved unnecessary as the female in the driver's seat eventually sat up and she seemed to be partially conscious. At the officer's urging, she manages to unlock the door eventually. The officer Mino opened the passenger side door. He looked into the vehicle and observed Mason, we know as PJ, still unconscious. He says that He was breathing, but was not responsive to efforts to try to wake him. The vehicle omitted a strong smell of alcohol. And Officer Mino observed that Mason's hand was over a black gun holster. Later, the officer testified that this was a red flag, that a weapon might be present in the vehicle. And he has heard on the video recording, you know, they're recording this from the the dash cam is recording this or, or body body camera is recording this you can hear the officer sharing his concerns with the others on the scene that we might have a a gun in this vehicle he says that he also noticed ammunition on the floor of the vehicle as well as an open container of gin located on the console he continued to try to wake mason or pj and administered a sternal rub which temporarily caused mason to open his eyes before he fell unresponsive again With the assistance of emergency medical technicians and the fire department personnel on the scene, the officer removed Mason from the vehicle and a gun dropped from his pants. Officer Mino took Mason to the ground to render aid as he verbally signaled that he had discovered a gun. This guy, PJ, is beyond a dirtbag. 
Well, whatever he had consumed that day, either the driver, the female driver, she was either unwilling to communicate that to police or, or just didn't know. So they're able to wake her. They're not able to wake him until they pull him out and a gun falls out of his, his pants. Well, again, he's controlling and abusive for all we know. He drugged her. Well, once that weapon is secured, Mason is then detained and the officers run his license where they quickly determine that he had outstanding warrants. So he's under arrest at this time. Outstanding warrants and carrying a gun. The female driver was also arrested and taken into custody as she was believed to be intoxicated and became belligerent and combative with the officers. Because both of the vehicle's occupants were taken into custody, the vehicle was impounded. Well, in fairness to her, they did wake her up. Okay, so PJ is drunk and passed out at a gas station, and when police are able to wake him up, this gun falls from his pants. Smooth move, x lax mm-hmm. But here's the court record of the car's inventory, which I think you'll find interesting. An inventory of the contents of the vehicle and on Mason's person revealed a 30-round magazine, loose rounds of 9 millimeter ammunition, a digital scale, an open bottle of Bombay dry gin, and a gun holster. The weapon was identified as a Taurus model PT-111 Millennium G2 9mm caliber pistol, serial number TJP-22624, Special Agent Corey Miles with the ATF is the one that wrote that report and took the inventory of the contents of that vehicle and the items found on Mason on PJ. So all of this was super bad for PJ, but good for the rest of us, right? Cause we're going to lock this dude up, but not because PJ can't handle his liquor and was passed out in public. It was because as a multiple felon, he's prohibited from being in possession of a firearm. So PJ was initially charged in Lake County, Ohio for what will end up being federal gun charges. And this comes about after they do their due diligence the police were able to show that the gun PJ was found with had crossed state lines, which gave the feds jurisdiction over this whole mess because PJ was in violation of laws prohibiting him from possessing a weapon that had been transported via interstate commerce. Yeah, and I believe once the feds get involved that you can tack on some years for this crime. A federal indictment against PJ was filed on April 22nd. The complaint upshot is that PJ violated federal laws against being a felon in possession of a firearm and also specifically against felons convicted of domestic violence of possessing a firearm. The 2017 conviction for domestic violence served as a predicate offense for count two of the indictment. After his arrest, police searched PJ's house. According to Trinetta, they were looking for information on Paige's whereabouts as well or looking for items belonging to page right there they found one of page's cell phones now investigators question pj about this but he's refused to discuss the phone he's refused to discuss page with law enforcement yeah because he's guilty of something at pj's initial appearance court appearance this took place on april 24th he waived his right to a preliminary hearing Now, the magistrate judge found that there was sufficient evidence to proceed, and the matter was bound over to the grand jury to determine whether there was probable cause to proceed to trial. Although the federal prosecutor requested that PJ be held without bond, the judge permitted PJ to be released on $20,000 unsecured bond, but there were conditions. PJ had to submit to the supervision of United States pretrial services, and he had to wear an electronic monitoring bracelet and abide by a curfew that precluded him from leaving his grandparents' residence after 6.30 p.m. and before 8 a.m. This guy is a known criminal. This guy is a known liar. You're going to give him any privilege? Shame on you. You know what's going to happen. Well, it didn't take long for PJ to violate the conditions of this bond. Of course not. Right. Uh, And a a warrant was issued for his arrest, 
And according to the status report filed by the pretrial services, it states that on May 18th of 2020, PJ left his home without authorization at 9.02 p.m., this breaking the curfew, and the police were called by his grandparents. Again, kudos to his family for stepping in and alerting the police. Hey, he's he's not supposed to be out at this time. He's left our home. Hold on. The family should have spoke up at the trial and said, look, you don't set bond for this guy because nobody wants him on their property. We, we don't want him at our house. Yeah. Why would you want to take the risk of that? He's abusive towards women. He's a liar. He's a scumbag. He's probably the reason why Paige is missing. Yeah, You, you don't want the scumbag at your house. Well, this is interesting, too. And this report also provided that the following day, PJ's sister and girlfriend went to the Oakwood Village Police Department making separate complaints about PJ. His girlfriend reported that PJ strangled her and placed a pillow over her face to prevent her from screaming. PJ's sister reported that he had been calling and threatening her. So he's continuing his dirty deeds, beating up women, and he's also threatening his own family, according to these complaints. Yeah, and that's why every individual that has talked to him or has information about Paige needs to come forward to law enforcement and tell them what they know about the scumbag. PJ was taken into custody on May 29th. The magistrate judge conducted a hearing to consider whether he should revoke PJ's bond and send him to jail while awaiting trial or whether he should let PJ stay out on bond. And the judge decided to lock PJ up. Now, well, that's common sense, right? Yeah. I could read for you, captain, the paragraphs written by the judge and and filed in the court records, but our friends out there in listener land and parts unknown, well, well, their poor little earballs will get bored and spit out their earbuds. But amongst other things, basically the judge is confirming what we in the courts seem to already know. Simply put, this chump exhibits a history of violence and it's not safe to have him anywhere other than locked up. So good. Like we said, common sense, his bond is revoked and he is now in the custody of the U.S. Marshals. PJ filed a motion to reinstate his bond and revoke the magistrate's order, basically appealing the decision. Motion denied. That makes three women now that we know of whom PJ has strangled or suffocated. Patrick Samar Mason Jr. is a danger to society and, as the captain says, a big piece of shit. And good news. With Mason sitting in the pen waiting for trial, the government didn't waste any time proceeding. At a pretrial hearing, PJ's attorney reported to his client that the government had presented a written proposed plea agreement. There was a lot of wrangling over this, but eventually the government agreed to basically reduce the base offense level charges resulting in a bit less time for PJ at a November 12, 2020 hearing. The government announced that it agreed that PJ's base offense level would result in a guideline range of 51 to 63 months prison time. Mason's attorney indicated that with that change, Mason would accept the plea agreement and enter a plea of guilty to count two of the indictment and count one would be dropped, which is a gift for him. Again, they shouldn't go lenient on this guy at all. A a known abuser of women, a known liar, a known criminal, give him max time for everything. And not only that, Captain, there's, there's evidence. There's things suggesting here that this man is much more guilty of things that he's never even been charged with. Right. So that should be all done, right? Well, not quite, because on February 10th of 2021, the court received a letter from PJ's attorney. This is this this guy. I don't know how he got a 3.0 grade average uh, for those two semesters. Maybe he maybe you got points just for showing up or something. Anyway, this letter is requesting that he wants to withdraw his guilty plea. So. Oh yeah. I plead guilty. I admit that I'm guilty. You give me the sentence and now I, eh, you know what? I changed my mind. I'm not guilty anymore. Yeah. Well, again, it was, it was a mistake to plea down the deal. Anyways, they should hit him with more charges. Right. So 
I mean, basically, this guy's full of it, and the court borrowed my beer goggles and saw right through his BS. Again, request denied. But it's sad. We all go through this life on our journey, and we're looking for somebody that that makes us feel good about life, makes us feel good about ourselves. And sometimes these guys get involved with these women, and they're con men, and they talk a good little game, and then they start manipulating them, and they start, like I said, divide and conquer you know, separate them from their family. People deserve to be happy. People deserve to be in healthy relationships. If you feel that you're in an abusive relationship, look, I've never, never been in that kind of situation. I, I wouldn't even know where, you know, to begin other than to tell you that you deserve better than this. You deserve to be treated correctly. You deserve to be um, valued and taken care of. And if you feel like you're in a bad situation, call this number 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-SAFE. And goodbye you, Captain, for putting that number out there. That is the domestic violence support line. If anybody out there listening needs some type of support, do not hesitate to call them. So in short, Captain, what we have here is PJ is in prison. Thank the Lord. He can't hurt anyone else, at least on the outside. And he can't pass out at any more gas stations. And you don't want to pass out in prison, from what I hear. Yeah. But what about Paige? And what about her family? What is her family supposed to do now? Again, the the current chief of police at Bratnall says the case is active, says the case is being worked. In a meeting with the FBI agents assigned to the case, Unfortunately, they told her family that Paige is likely deceased. The question is, is anyone working to find her or find out what happened to her is what I want to know. And what about PJ? I think there's some other things going on with him. We, we said that, yes, he was charged by the feds for this gun charge. Yeah. But the FBI is still investigating him and seems to be involved in page coffee's case as well so what else is going on or or what else was he up to we still don't know who shot up pj's car or how he got shot and what about his gmc truck that he torched after page vanished has anyone subpoenaed pj's phone records to see where he was in the hours and days after the home depot outing on may 7th 2019 yeah we, we have Paige's cell phone information, and law enforcement has that. And again, they're very tight-lipped on some of that information that they have. But have they looked into PJ's phone records? That's what you want to look at here. Or have they looked at his employer's records to see if he missed any work after the 7th of May? Will we ever have answers to all of these questions? Yeah, I'd be very interested to see if they su- subpoenaed his cell phone records, not so much for him calling people, but maybe GPS on his phone. And did he go to a field somewhere or a wooded area to possibly dispose of a body? Th- these are serious questions, um, or that's what I would be interested to know if, if they have received this information. And again, I believe this case will be solved and it'll be by somebody that has talked to PJ, whether that's a friend or acquaintance or a family member. He told somebody something because he's a known liar and he, and he's probably lied so much that he can't even stop himself from lying. And he's going to get caught in one of those lies. Well, and we've already seen that some of his family turn in information and pass along information to the proper channels. I feel like we need some more of that family to come forward that, As you pointed out, I think there's somebody out there that knows something. Somebody can fill in some of these blanks here. And again, we've met Paige's family. They're lovely people. They're wonderful people. We wish them the very best. This is not a good situation at all, and there's not a whole lot of hope here, but they deserve to have some answers. Now, Paige is described as 5 foot 8 inches tall, 230 pounds, with brown eyes and black hair. She has a tattoo of piano keys on her arm. Anyone with any information at all, please, please call 216-622-6800.
afford to. I could just kiss all your faces. Make sure you subscribe to the show and make sure you tell a friend or maybe share about the show on social media. Colonel, do we have any recommended reading for the listeners this week? This week, Captain, we got one that is perfect for that true crime reader on your gift list. It's called A Killer by Design, Murderers, Mind Hunters, and My Quest to Decipher the Criminal Mind by the Great Ann Burgess. Anybody that watches the Netflix show Mindhunter will know who I'm talking about. The great Ann Burgess has a new book coming out just in time for Christmas. That's called A Killer by Design, Murderers, Mindhunters, and My Quest to Decipher the Criminal Mind. You can find that great title and many more on our website, truecrimegarage.com. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't let it. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.